today we're on our third lie. Lie number one was God will not give you more than what you could handle. That was a lie. We discovered that biblically it was a lie, that God will give us more than what we can handle. And he does it so that we can stop boasting about our own strength and start boasting about his. He gives us more than what we can handle because he wants all the glory and not us. And then secondly, last week, Pastor Adam was here and he spoke about the lie that Victory Outreach just wants your money. And I want to let you know that what a lie. The truth is that we are to honor God with our wealth. If we do not honor God with our wealth, then it will stunt our growth. It'll stunt your growth, and ultimately, it will stunt the growth of this church. I have never seen a mature Christian who is not a mature giver. Because giving is part of growing. As a mother, every mother here knows that when you have a baby, all of a sudden, all these things come out of you, and you have to start giving. you got to start getting up in the middle of the night. you got to start, you know, buying diapers, and you have to learn how to start giving to somebody else. Well, that's maturity. That is part of growing. And we all know that money is connected to our heart, and that when we struggle in giving to God first, then that means we're actually struggling in putting God first in our life. And I, I want to say this before I go on to the, the other lie, is that God wants Victory Outreach Hayward to have a budget that will allow us to operate without the stress of constant lack. God has and will continue to meet all of our needs. But we have to trust him with our finances. So that is a lie. Now, lie number three is what we're going to be talking about today. And lie number three is the lie that says, follow your heart. Follow your heart. Turn your Bibles with me to Jeremiah 17.9. Jeremiah 17.9. And when you get it, say amen. When you come to church, you got to bring your Bible. Take it out from underneath the TV guide. Dust it off and bring your Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, you really don't have a Bible, we'll give you one. Stop by our table on the way out and we'll make sure you get one because everybody needs to have the Word of God. Jeremiah 17, 9. You all have it? The Bible says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Is that heavy or what? The Bible says that our heart is the most deceitful of all things. Not some things, all things. And today we need to understand that our hearts are seriously wicked. And that we need to be careful what decisions we make with our heart. If you are susceptible, and there are many in this room today who are susceptible, if you are easily influenced or affected emotionally by how you feel, 
There are some people today who looked outside and they're like, nah, I'm not going out. They went by how they felt. People who make decisions by how they feel are in for a difficult life. Because we cannot make decisions on how we feel. Doesn't matter what the movies tell you or TV tells you or books tell you. The Bible says you cannot follow your heart. Your heart will steer you wrong. Our hearts can't be trusted. The world tells us, follow your heart. But it doesn't say where our heart's going to lead us. Proverbs 28, 26 says this. He that trusts in his own heart is a fool. Write that down for some of you who, who go by feelings. Oh, I feel led to do. Oh, I feel led to do. We're going to talk a lot about feelings today. You trust in your own heart, Bible calls you a fool. But who walks wisely? He shall be delivered. See, we're taught since we're young. How do you feel? When our kids go off, and let's just say, you know, they go off with a sitter or they go off to their friend's house or they go off to play, what's the first thing we ask them? Did you have fun? Did you enjoy yourself? Because we kind of train our children without realizing it to experience feelings. And if you feel good, then it was a success. But if you didn't feel good, if you didn't make you happy, then it was a bummer. In our heart, the Bible says that it is deceitful and that whatever we feel in our heart, we cannot make a decision on that is the way to go. Whatever our feelings tell us, it's not always right. And we need to understand that our heart and our feelings cannot be trusted. They cannot be trusted. Think of how untrue these feelings are. And I, I know that there's some of you who may be in this position right now. But then there's times where we've all been here where it says, if I feel unloved, then I must be not loved by anybody. If I'm feeling worthless, then I guess I must be worthless. If I feel that God has deserted me, then I really don't have to pray. If I feel like life is hopeless, then it probably is. If I feel alone, then I really must be alone. And if I feel like a loser, then I guess I am. See, we have a tendency to feed these negative feelings to the point that we actually make them a reality. We begin to believe these things. Man, I feel I'm all alone. You may be lonely and you're thinking you have nobody. Nobody is around. Nobody cares about me. Nobody loves me. And you begin to feed and feed and feed. And all of a sudden, you begin to start getting depressed and depressed. And then you call one person. Oh, I'm too busy. Call another person. They're not home. Call another person. Oh, they forgot to invite you. Call another, and all of a sudden, you just get more lonely and more lonely and feel more worthless and feel more alone. 
And we begin to make all these negative feelings a reality. We begin to think, you know what, that's really the way it is. That really is how life is. And we can get to the point where we distort life, not only in the negative, but we can also distort it in the positive. When we begin to feel secure in ourselves and we think that, oh, we're right with God. I don't know about them, but I'm right with God. Look at how they're dressed. Look at how they look. Look at what time they walked into church. I'm right with God. I was here early. I don't know about them. See, the world teaches us that feelings are truth. If you feel like you're in love, then you should get married. And if you feel that you're out of love, then you should get divorced. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember the time, the day that I said to myself, wow, I turned to my husband and I said, I don't feel that passionate, excited kind of love. I wonder if I love him anymore. I know every married couple goes through that. Some talk about it, some don't, but it's a reality. You think that you're just going to be so passionately in love every day of your married life, get a clue. Okay, let me clue you in. That is not reality. That is fantasy. It is not reality. What is missing in the process is that what the truth really is. See, infatuation is a feeling. Romance is a feeling. Happiness is a feeling. Sadness is a feeling. But love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. You have to choose to love. It is not a feeling. And we can chase and follow our emotions and feelings into wrong relationships. Some people have said, this relationship is of God. And then within the next year, they break up and they're on to the next one. No, this one is of God. Relationships. When we follow our heart, we can actually wind up with the wrong one. When I met my husband... I was so afraid of following my heart. I fell head over heels in love with him. I had had other boyfriends before him, but he was the first one that I actually fell in love with. The only man that I had ever said, I love you too. So I knew I was in trouble. Just the fact that I told somebody I loved them. And I was so afraid of following my heart so afraid that during our courtship, we separated twice to fast and pray, to make sure. Took him to Pastor Sonny and Julie, what do you think? What do you think? Took him to my leaders, what do you think? I, I mean, I was like so concerned because when our hearts get mixed up in it, you know, we can make some bad mistakes. I have seen mistakes being made. And I did not want to be another statistic. It was like when I got married, it was for life. Till death do us part. It, I was done. And so, you know, I can remember so clearly walking down the aisle. I'm in my dress already. Walking down the aisle and saying, God, if this is not the man, please get me out of this. Please. God could do the impossible. He could. 
I, I was believing God that, you know what, if something was not right, we could have had an earthquake. Somebody could have passed out in the church. Something could have happened, a candle knocked over. I mean, some kind of disruption. I would have taken it as of God. I would have said, nope, this is not happening. Because I was that afraid of following my heart. I was that afraid of missing out on God's best for my life. And when those of you who are single and you're looking for that right person that you want to spend the rest of your life with, you be careful. You be very, 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 very careful. You don't just go by your emotions. You don't just, oh, that's the one. I fell head over heels. You're going to fall head over heels in love, out of love, in love, out of love so many times. And you need to get it right the first time. So I don't know where I got off on there, but anyway. <laughs> Our decisions must be based on truth and not on short-lived feelings that change with the weather. They change with our hormones. They change with our circumstances. If we're to walk in freedom, then we have to realize that our emotions are not always trustworthy. You cannot trust your emotions. You have to be willing to throw out any feelings that are not consistent with the truth, that are not following the word of God. Think about the difference between truth and feelings. If God says he forgave us, then whether we feel forgiven or not doesn't change the fact that he has forgiven us. Sometimes we walk around, we, we blew it, we sinned, and we walk around feeling condemned, and we walk around feeling guilty. And the truth is that the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So the feeling and the emotion of feeling guilty and feeling like condemned is not consistent with the word of God if you have confessed. So you need to get your truth and emotions in line together. Feelings are one-sided. They change all the time. You can feel happy one minute and sad the next. Feelings, I need to tell you this, feelings should not pull the train. They are the caboose. They are not the engine. They belong in the back of the bus. They belong in the back of the train because what should be driving your train should be truth, should be the word of God. Your feelings should come later. Our feelings tell us, I don't feel like it. I don't know how many of us have ever said that. I don't feel like it. Well, sometimes our feelings drive us to do things that we shouldn't do. Other times, our feelings prevent us from doing the things that we should do. We avoid doing so many things just because we don't feel like it. I, I, you know, I'm just not feeling it. I, I don't feel led. I'm sure that Jesus did some things he didn't feel like doing. And there are some of you are saying, well, I'm not Jesus. No, but that's who you're supposed to be like. You say you are a Christian. Hello, Christ is in the first half. Part of the Christian life as a servant of Jesus involves doing things that we may not want to do, that we may not like. 
It involves doing things that take us out of our comfort zone, that cause us to do different things. Usually when we don't feel like doing something is when we actually need to do it the most. When we don't feel like coming to church on Sunday nights, it's probably the biggest reason that we do need to come to church. And on Wednesday nights, too. Maybe you get asked to do something. Maybe you get asked to do children's church, or you get asked to do ushers or greeters or security, and you get asked to do something. You say, you know, I just don't feel it. I don't feel led. Sometimes this could be a valid statement, but most of the time, it's just an excuse for just not wanting to serve. You just don't want to do it. Ephesians 4, 8, and 12 says, Wherefore he said when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God has given to each of you gifts and talents that are to be used in the body of Christ. When you see a need in the church, whatever the need may be, and you have a spiritual gift or a talent that fits right into that need, you don't need to feel the leading of the Holy Spirit. You don't need to feel led. If you see the church is in need of teachers and you have the gift of teaching, you don't got to pray about it. You really don't. What do you think you have the gift for? It's like saying, you know, I have a stove and you need a cake. Well, I don't know. I don't really feel this is what I'm supposed to do. If you have the gift, then that's what you're supposed to do. Whether or not you feel it, that's why God gave you the gift. If God gave you the ability to sing, he didn't give it to you so you could sing in the shower. He gave it to you to glorify him in church. Matthew 25, 15 says he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. And then verse 29 says, then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. If you have a talent or you have a gift, God expects you to use it. Use it or lose it. Turn to your neighbor and say, use it or lose it. That's, that's the truth. And that, it's the same thing your, your, your doctors will tell you with your body. If you don't use certain parts of your body... They will atrophy, which means if you don't use your arms every day, they'll get stuck. And you'll say, why can't I move my arm? Because you weren't using it. It just was there. Anybody who just lies down in their bed for a long period of time, it's very difficult because their legs don't want to function. They don't want to work. They atrophy. Well, if you don't use your gifts and you don't use your talents, they will atrophy. They will just stay in that position and you won't be able to use them. If you have a talent, God expects you to use it. In James 4.17, it says, Therefore to him, 
that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. If you do not use your gifts and your talents and you know that you have that gift and talent and you don't use it, it's a sin. That's the word. Now I'm sure that Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross to pay the ultimate penalty for our sins, but he did it. So is it too much to ask to serve him when we don't feel like it? So what are other things that we don't feel like doing? How many of you love to jump out of bed on Monday morning and go to work? But you do it whether you feel like it or not. You do it. So why is it when we get a little headache or, or we're just a little tired, why do we let that keep us from coming to church? Why should our aches and pains keep us from reaching out to people? See, we need to be a man, a man or a woman that lives with a broken heart, a heart that has been broken by God. There are men and women who are serving around the world. We have Pastor Daryl and Gloria. We have Pastor Christian and Bossy. We have Pastor Harry and Shalimar. And they're serving in the foreign field. They're serving as missionaries. And you know what? They're serving it with a broken heart because they love the people. Maybe you might be sitting here today and you haven't been broken in a long time. Unsaved souls don't move you. Unsafe family and friends don't move you. They don't even phase you. When was the last time that you actually prayed for someone who was lost? That you actually went out of your way to go after someone who was a lost sheep? When we are unbroken, it's because we have allowed idols in our life. Idols don't feel. Idols aren't moved. And when idols are in our life, the worship, we come to church, the worship doesn't move us at all. That's why you can come in late and you can miss worship because that worship doesn't move you. Announcements don't move you. Giving our finances don't move you. Even the word of God doesn't move you. Not even the salvation of a soul moves you. We become numb. We become blind and we become insensitive. When Jesus is growing in our heart, then we are sensitive to the things that he is sensitive to. And, we're, and our hearts are broken with the things that break his heart. We begin to see people differently. You know, Christmas is coming. I know it's only October, but it's coming. And Around November 1st, I start breaking out on my Christmas songs at home. My kids all know that since they were little. I, Christmas is like my favorite season, and I just want to stretch it out as long as I can. And one of my favorite Christmas songs is sung by Gloria Estevan, and it's called Christmas Through Your Eyes. And the first time I heard it about 20 years ago, it was like I was listening to this, and God spoke to me. I mean, it was like so clear. Now, I know some of you haven't heard God speak to you, and, and I, I know that, that you're, as you grow, God will speak to you. But he spoke to me when this song came on. And what he told me, he says, I want you to change that word Christmas to people. And as I began to sing that song, I want to see people through your eyes 
my whole way of looking at things changed. I began to say, God, I want to see people through your eyes. Because when I look at them through my eyes, ain't too pretty. But when I look at you through his eyes, you're absolutely beautiful. You have the blood that he, that he died for. And there is the point that we need to see what he sees, hear what he hears, and it has to break our heart. When we walk with Jesus, our hearts will be broken. So what can our hearts do for us? Number one, there's three things that he can do that our hearts can do for us. Number one, our hearts can distort God's will. It can distort God's will. When I use my heart to determine God's will or if I need that approval, I can be deceived. Because if I don't line up my heart with God's truth, I'm in trouble and you're in trouble. We will convince ourselves that our heart is right with God. See, that's why the Bible says that a heart is deceitful. Because we can convince ourselves that what we want, what we desperately want to do is God's will. When it's really what we want to do. We can say, you know what, this is God's will for my life. I believe it. I fasted. I prayed. And then what happens is that we begin to justify our thoughts and our actions. And then we convince ourselves even more that we are definitely correct. This is of God. Now there's a big danger in that. In Proverbs 14, 12, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. See, I can be going all along thinking I'm right because my heart tells me I'm right, but I can be unintentionally moving toward my own death. That is how dangerous our feelings can be when we make decisions on our feelings. Erwin Lutzer said this, a Christian life based on feelings is headed for a gigantic collapse. See, we can control our feelings. We can control our emotions. I think it's just easier sometimes not to. Women sometimes use the excuse, I'm going through PMS. And they use it as an excuse for all of these outbursts of emotions. Men use the word stress as an excuse for their outbursts of anger. You notice that I said excuse. Because our bodies do affect our emotions and how they operate. But we are a combination of our mind, will, and emotions. And they all affect each other. But I believe that letting our emotions control us can be sinful. There are a lot of arguments that would never take place in marriages. A lot if the spouses would learn how to share when they are going through frustration instead of just taking it out on their spouse or on their children, instead of acting it out. Sometimes spouses can, be, can feel isolated and they can feel helpless. And if they share that, it would take a lot of the games out of marriage. We can convince ourselves that what we're feeling lines up with God's truth when it really doesn't. There are people I know 
who can actually take a scripture and twist it to fit their decision. They can twist it to make their decision right. I'm right, you're wrong, because the word says this. And it's twisted. We can take things out of context. We will convince ourselves that this is the Holy Spirit's confirmation. But I want to let you know something, that we need to look at the unmistakable evidence. Because when we humbly look at the Word of God in context, and we look at the accuracy of the Word of God, and we listen to godly people who are trying to speak into our lives based on God's Word, we will be able to discover what is right and what is wrong. Not with how we feel, not with what we think God told us, but what is the right way that God wants us to go. When we feel a certain way about something, we need to really take time to truly examine if it's our feelings or if it's actual truth. Is there any real evidence to support how I feel? Throughout the seven years that my husband has gone to be with the Lord, there have been doubts that have crossed my mind. Should I be doing this or should I not be doing this? Most widows just want to just take a back seat. They don't want all the arrows at them. But I'll tell you this, God has sent people my way, people that I don't even know, to confirm that this is where I belong. I remember I was at a wedding in uh, uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. It was, it was a double wedding. My brother-in-law and sister-in-law were both getting married. And I was just attending. I wasn't a part of the wedding. I was just attending. And the minister who performed the wedding, it was a nice wedding, you know, did it together. And, and then I, I wasn't participating at all. I was just part of the crowd. He, I didn't know him. He didn't know me. And after it was over, he came straight off the altar and he went straight toward me. And he says, I need to let you know that God told me to tell you that you are exactly where he wants you to be. That you will need his strength to do everything you need to do. But do not look to the left. Do not look to the right. But stay focused and do what he has called you to do. And I was like blown away. I was like, who is this man? I don't even know him. And that has happened many times because see, doubts and feelings will come in. And they'll make you think, well, maybe I should do this or maybe I should do that or maybe I should quit doing this or maybe I should join this or maybe I should get together with this guy or this girl or maybe I should quit my job or maybe I should quit this church and go to another church or I should just do all this and you got feelings, feelings, feelings and they're just like all over the place. What do I do? Should I go here? Should I go there? Should I go with him? Should I go with her? What do I do? What do I do? And you're battling with feelings you're battling with your emotions and that's where the enemy gets us in the lie he gets us in the lie to follow our heart when our heart is deceitful above all things our feelings have to be backed by God's will and and his word and people who are overseeing your life people that you are accountable to. 
You cannot go by how you feel. No matter how you feel, you need to compare your feelings with the word of God. Secondly, not only will our heart cause us to distort God's will, it will also give us a false sense of security. In Job 24, 22 to 24, it says this, God in his power drags away the rich. They may rise high, but they have no assurance of life. They may be allowed to live in security, but God is always watching them. And though they are great now, in a moment, they will be gone like all others, cut off like heads of grain. Sometimes the people that you're looking at, sometimes the people that seem like they have it all together, they've got the house, they've got the car, they've got the money, they've got the fat bank, they've got the role, they've got everything of what you think is security. The Bible says here that God is watching them, and though they may be great now, though maybe they may have title and position and all that stuff, in a moment, that quick, it'll be gone. It'll be gone. See, feelings can give us a false sense of security. Feelings can make us feel things that we're not really supposed to be feeling. In our own power, sometimes we can feel secure. We convince ourselves that because of what we've accomplished, we're secure. We view prosperity as security. We think having a house and having a card and having money in the bank and having rings and, and jewelry and all, we think that that is security. But the reality is that those things don't bring any kind of security. Feelings of security can blind us to real danger. Many people feel secure based on how things are right now. Some of you are saying, you know what? This message doesn't even apply to me because everything is cool. I mean, I am just so cool. I am blessed, blessed, blessed. Well, there's always a calm before the storm. If your security is based on feelings, get ready because you're in for trouble. Because what do you need to do? You cannot put your feelings in security. You need to do Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord, not our feelings. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all our heart. Trust in the Lord, not in yourself. Trust in the Lord, not in your feelings. Trust him. He says, I can trust my heart when my heart trusts the Lord. Then it says, lean not into your own understanding. Don't go by how you feel. I don't care how you feel because right now you feel one way and then after you eat lunch you're going to feel another way you know how that is you can't go by how you feel in all your ways acknowledge him you need to see in all your ways does everything that you want to do everything you see does it line up with the word of God and he will make your path straight you don't go wrong following God's path only when we follow our own. Have you ever heard someone say, I don't trust anybody. I only trust myself. That's pretty dangerous. Because when we lean on our own understanding, we tell ourselves, my instincts are never wrong. 
I always, I'm always right. I don't trust anybody else. I know that what I think and what I feel is right on. We convince ourselves that the little voice inside of us is always telling us the truth. So when other people try to speak into our lives, we don't listen to them. We're like, we just put a big old, you know, uh, cover right here over our ears. And we say, you know what? I'm not listening because I know what God told me to do. And then we go by our feelings and we end up doing great harm to ourselves and to others. That scripture, Proverbs 28, 26, he who trusts in himself or herself is a fool. The problem with feelings is that they change. I can feel something today and then tomorrow I'm going to feel totally different. But what doesn't change is God's truth. And that's why we need to trust in God's wisdom, not our feelings. We need to allow the Lord to reveal reality to us. When I feel like I'm alone, I need to remember the truth. And the reality is that the Bible says that surely I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. And when I feel abandoned, I remember that God said, never will I leave you, nor will I forsake you. When I feel like I'm a failure, I'm a loser, I'm a nobody, I need to remember Psalm 139, where God says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When I feel unloved, and I need to remember the reality of Romans 5.8, that God demonstrates his own love to us, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. See, God knows the tendency that we have to act according to how we feel. That's why he gave us his word. That's why I stress reading the word. In fact, I was just thinking about it this morning. I'm going to put a challenge before this church to start reading in January through the Bible. I have been reading through the Bible for through the last few years. And you can read through it all different ways. You could, if you're not computer literate, which means you're not on the computer every day, you can buy a Bible, That's, it, it's, and you read a portion of it every day, every day, every day. When you fill yourself up with the Word, when you let the Word saturate, then you won't be relying on your feelings. You won't be saying, oh, I feel this, or I feel... You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth, not your feelings, not your emotions. And this coming uh, year, I'm going to give you a lot of different ways for you to challenge yourself to read through the Bible. Now, I've been reading through it, and I'm almost at the end of it. Have I read every single day? Sometimes there are days when I don't read. Because if I don't get up early and read, the phone gets me. Or people get me. Just like those of you moms who have little kids, if you don't get up early, you're done. And then I'm not really a good person to read at night, because I could only probably read one paragraph, and then I'm done. But I do know this, I catch up. If I miss yesterday, I catch up today, and I'll read both of them. I do not let it go. I am in my word all the time. And there are some of you who need to get the truth inside, the real truth, not how you feel, but the truth. That's because God knows. He knows us. And he wants us to realize that so often what we feel is not real. It's just not real. That's why we need him to show up. We can't make snap judgments. We can't say, oh, this is how I feel. Let's do this. 
We can't look at things and, oh, that's how it looks. Let's make a decision on that. Because sometimes those strong feelings are the wrong feelings. And if we make decisions based on our strong feelings, we're going to end up doing damage. Not only will our hearts distort God's will and give us a false sense of security, but it will also cause us to justify our actions. God knows how we feel. And there's a lot of people who say that God knows how I feel. He knows my heart. He'll make an exception in my case. The favorite biblical verse for those people who like to say that is 1 Samuel 16, 7. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And people who love to say that, they say, you know what? You don't know my heart. You don't know. God knows my heart. You're not God. And there are people who who do that, and they say that. God knows my heart. My actions may be wrong, but my heart is right with God. Now, we can make excuses for our actions, but bottom line is, making this excuse, and I'm going to use a term here that I really want you to understand. Using this excuse is nothing more than moral or situational relativism. Now, I'm going to explain that, what relativism is. Relativism is the belief that principles like right and wrong, good and bad, truth and lies are not absolute, but that they change from culture to culture and situation to situation. It's like relativism is like, that doesn't apply to me because, you know, I, I, I'm in a different situation here. I, I'm not like them. And there are times when we make decisions morally and situationally and we think that God's going to change for us because we're special. God knows my heart. I want to let you know something. If you've ever used that, let me slap your hand right now because I want to let you know something that God is a God of law. God is a God of truth. God is a God of justice. God is a God of holiness. And God is a God of righteousness. And God will never, 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 never excuse sin. Ever. I remember there was a girl that came to me. This was many, many years ago. She came and um, she couldn't find anybody in the church because you know how you all look in the church and go, man, there ain't anybody here for me. You know you say that. Well, that's what this girl did. She looked around and she goes, there ain't anybody here. So where did she go? She went to the world to go find somebody and bring him in because I got to get him saved. So she came and she said, God spoke to me and told me that this is the man for me. And, and I said, who is he? And she goes, well, she gave me his name, and, and I knew him from the streets. And um, he was one of the gang members out here. And she says, but that's who God told me. And I know he's not saved, but God told me to get together with him and, and win him to the Lord. And I said, really? So you're going to get together with him, And you're going to be boyfriend and girlfriend, and he does not know the Lord. And she said, yeah, but God told me. I said, really? God told you? 
And she said, yeah. And I go, what God? What God told you that? Because if I look in my word, my Bible says that you cannot mix lightness with darkness. That what business does light have mixing with darkness? That there needs to be a separation. I said, I don't know what God you were listening to, but the God that I serve, the God of my word, the God of your word, doesn't change. He doesn't have any favorites. I always say I'm his favorite, and I am his favorite. But he doesn't let me slide. He doesn't say, well, this, this doesn't apply to you. You, you, can, you, know, you can get lazy. You can get a little bit carnal. You can, you can go do this. No problem. No, see, that's not God. He's still a God of holiness. He's still a God of righteousness. He's still a God of truth. And I still got to walk the line. I don't care if I am his favorite or not. And this girl wound up going with this guy, wound up being boyfriend and girlfriend, and within two months, guess what? She wound up pregnant. And after she wound up pregnant, guess what? He was gone. And there went the, God told her. God spoke to her. God never, 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 never excuses sin. And he doesn't make any exceptions. I'm not no exception, and neither are you. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. If sin is a problem to you, don't try to rationalize it. Don't try to excuse it. Don't try to minimize it. Don't try to explain it away. What you need to do is you need to confess, repent, and seek his forgiveness. Our security is in Christ. A couple of things of what we need to do when it comes to our emotions. Let me just say this. Don't make decisions under the influence of a strong emotion. I say strong, there's a lot of strong emotions, whether it's romantic decisions or whether it's anger decisions or whether it's frustrated decisions. Whatever strong emotion that is going on, do not make a decision because strong emotions can interfere with us making right decisions. Secondly, don't use your emotions to find the will of God. Don't say, I have a peace about it because that's always interpreted as an emotion. Make sure that you use more than the emotion to make your decision. Number three, don't rely on your feelings as a barometer of how much God loves you. Because our feelings are up and our feelings are down. Today, I am so loved by God. I am absolutely, positively loved. But I'll tell you what, every Sunday afternoon, after I speak in the morning, or let's just put on Sunday night, after the whole day is over and I have talked and I have spoken and I have read and I have done all this, I am so physically, emotionally exhausted, I begin to wonder, man, does God really love me? That happens to me. When you go through difficult times and you go through difficult things in your life, you begin to think, man, does God really love me? Does he see what I'm going through in my marriage? Does he see what I'm going through with my children? Does he see what I'm going through at my job, with my boss, with my car, with no finances? 
Does he see all that? Does he love me? And I want to let you know that do not rely on your feelings as a barometer of how much God loves you because that is feelings. That is not truth. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I will be with you to the ends of the earth. That's the truth. If you don't feel loved tomorrow, it's not going to change the truth. Truth is you're still loved. Whether you feel like your husband or wife are in love, passionately in love with you, doesn't matter. It's just a feeling. They love you. They may not tell you 24-7. In fact, you need to tell your spouse you love them every single day. Get into the habit. Do not go to sleep without telling your spouse you love them. I don't care if you're mad at them. Those were the hardest words for me to hear when I was mad at my husband. And he knew it, and he would always wake me up and say, I forgot to tell you before you went to sleep, I love you. And I would be, ooh. Because <laughs> I was mad, and now he woke me up. But he never, ever not told me. He would call me across the world just to tell me that. You don't let your spouse go to sleep without telling him that you love him. And number four, don't use emotions to manipulate or control others. Spouses use emotions to control each other. When we want something, when we're mad, when we're frustrated, when we're angry, we use our emotions. Kids use emotions to control their parents. Some parents fold up right away. Their kids are mad. They just throw them a hard look, and the parents just fold up. Okay, what do you want, mijo? What do you want, mija? All right. They'd rather, you know, they'd rather uh, give in to them than see them pout. Let them pout. Let them throw their little tantrum. They'll get over it. Now, they may not like me right now, but you know what? It's okay. Because in the long run, in the long run, you got to learn something. Life doesn't always go your way. It just doesn't go your way. And the best way to learn that is now. Our emotions are not to be used for decision making. They are not to be used for direction. They are not to be used for God's will. And they are not to be used for our security. We need to function like airline pilots. Airline pilots have to refuse to trust their own instincts. And they have to refuse to even trust their own emotions, especially when they're in a storm. They have to trust the instrument panel that's in front of them. Even when their instincts tell them, don't, you know, don't go to the right, don't go. No, they have to go by the instrument panel because there is such a thing called vertigo. And vertigo is when your inner ear is off balance. And it kind of throws you, and especially when you're in a storm. When you're in a, if you've never been in a storm, I've been in some horrible, horrible hurricanes. I've been in three planes where we were the last plane to land, and they shut the airport down. That goes to tell you how bad it was. I mean, there were two times I actually thought I was going to die because that plane was up and down and up, and then we hit 1,000 feet straight down, and then we'd go back up, and it was really bad. But I do know this. The pilot did not depend on his instincts. He didn't depend on his feelings. He didn't depend on his emotions. Because when you're in the middle of a storm, you can't see. You have to rely on the instrument panel. 
And when you're going through a storm, you cannot rely on your emotions. You cannot make decisions. You cannot expect to hear and see everything the way you want to when you're in a storm. you got to depend on your instrument panel. you got to depend on God's word. you just got to go through it, and you got to hang on and know that God will take you through, that God is enough. He is more than enough to take you through. You have an instrument panel, and it's more reliable than our feelings. It's the word of God. That's how John Kennedy Jr. died. You remember, I don't know how many years, eight, nine years ago, he was flying his plane to his cousin's wedding. And he didn't depend on an instrument, on his instrument panel. He depended on what he felt. He felt that he was far enough above the water. And he, didn't, he got messed up because he was flying too low. And he wound up crashing in the water. And that's what will happen when you go by your feelings. That's what will happen when you go by your emotions. God will not force you to obey him. God will not force you to trust him. It's your choice. It is your choice. If you choose to live according to your feelings, you will end up living in an emotional prison. And you will be held captive by the pain of your own choice. The saddest person here is the one who's waiting for a feeling before they come to know Christ as their personal savior. You're waiting for that feeling. I, I need to feel God before I surrender my life. Don't let those feelings send you to hell because that's exactly what will happen. And those of you who are saved, sanctified, you're Christians, and you're waiting for a feeling to follow Christ in baptism. You're waiting for a feeling to become a part of a journey group. You're waiting for a feeling to stay faithful to this church. You're waiting for a feeling to use your talents to build this church. You're waiting for a feeling to give in the offering. You're just waiting, waiting, waiting. You want to be led by feelings. You're going to be led all the way to the world. Because our feelings are fickle. Don't let your fickle feelings stop you from doing your duty. So what are you going to do? Are you going to live on the word and the truth? Or are you going to believe the lie that you need to follow your heart? It's up to you today. Bow your heads with me.